live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicle. This is Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Pappas. We met in an office and discovered that despite each of us consistently voting for different political parties, we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree, find the middle on issues? I don't give up my values when I compromise, and neither does Sam. But we know that compromise serves our kids better than what we see in the current political atmosphere. We had a successful radio show, then the Chinese brought the station. But we got to with the times, and now we have a podcast. So sit back and listen. Today we cover Senator Warren's solution to fake news in our society. Texas Governor Abbott doesn't act very Texan. And has the blue wave bubble in Texas been popped? Let's get to it, Sam. Issue number one. Wait, Norm. Uh, let's wrap up the most important issue, even though our listeners know our thoughts on it. Maybe just 30 seconds on what strikes us each as the defining moments of the impeachment trial. All right. So we've been covering this trial for a while, and we're not going to get too crazy on this one. But I just want to give the highlights of the trial, where I think things really messed up for each side. First one, and I'm going to put on my Meet in the Middle Chronicles hat and say the call was not perfect, and I've always maintained the call was not perfect. Um, On the other hand... Uh, draining the swamp should be a legitimate purpose of the Oval Office. And that, I believe, is what Donald Trump was trying to do, is drain the swamp. Uh, I'm not going to go back over the Hunter Biden, Ukraine, Burisma thing, but you know, and our listeners know, I was actually on the Burisma story uh, since 2014. And it's been covered in many books without the uh, patina of impeachment hovering over it. So it's no... uh, it's a story. It's a real thing. Uh, this was corruption. Um, I, we don't know how bad it was. We don't know what Zolchevsky, who was the head of Burisma, was trying to use Hunter Biden for, but I think it was a legitimate purpose to investigate him. Uh, Nancy Pelosi said that that Trump was using this for political purposes. Well, yeah, it would help the president, but he also it also would help America to know if a sitting vice president's kid was using his father's office as leverage to get favors, for lack of a better term, that normally wouldn't be entitled to him. And by the way, right now, this is only covering Burisma in Ukraine. Nobody's really touched what happened in China, which is far more astounding with the Bidens. And Joe was much more directly involved in that. So if the the, Bidens were not impeached. No, but now we'll go to the impeachment. So Nancy Pelosi uh, goes up and says, you know, we're going to start an impeachment investigation. What they do not do is what happened in the previous impeachments, at least the previous two impeachments, and provide a impeachment vote to the entire House, which would give the minority rights that they did not enjoy under this impeachment. So the minority in the House did not have the right to subpoena anybody. And truthfully, they talk about, you know, fair trial, fair trial, fair trial, which is hysterical, taking off my meat in the middle hat. It's it's hysterical that they're complaining about a fair trial when what got them to the fair trial was the most partisan uh, investigation that we've seen in quite a while. It's going to go to 50-50. The voters are going to decide in November. 
Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you said it got them to a fair trial, but there are others that say it hasn't been a fair trial. Uh, no, no documents presented and no witnesses. That's the fault of the House. That's well, not the fault of the Senate. Well, it's still the appearance of it is uh, so polarizing that uh, there, there are errors on both sides. Again, we have talked about this. I thought it was a waste of time to go through the motions knowing that the Senate was not going to take him out of office, but it's just been quite interesting watching uh, the defense change from uh, one thing to another to finally, okay, he did it. It wasn't, you know, it was wrong. It was inappropriate, but it's not something we should remove him from office when at first it was a perfect call and nothing was wrong. Yeah, that was, that, that, that was a bad way to go. That was a bad defense, I admit it. But- so, let's move on yeah so um and you know at this point in time let's get to uh senator warren so senator warren wants the truth let's listen to a clip of the senator and democratic candidate for president on her plan for tech giants and maybe even individuals to be held accountable for publishing content that could be classified as disinformation you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth Okay, so that wasn't Senator Warren. That was Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson and A Few Good Men, but it's one of my favorite movies, and the audio clip doesn't actually exist. Warren did not speak on this issue. She tweeted on this issue. This, the tweet reads, Disinformation and online foreign interference erode our democracy, and Donald Trump has invited both. Anyone who seeks to challenge and defeat Donald Trump in the 2020 election must be fully prepared to take this on, and I've got a plan to do it. Now, Sam, before I turn this over to you, I'd like to make two points. The first is that despite popular belief, most of the stolen emails released by Russia were in fact authentic. They were authentic emails from the Hillary Clinton campaign. They weren't fake. It's just that the Clinton campaign was embarrassed by it. The second point I want to make is that if truth was so important to the integrity of our elections, we'd have to arrest every candidate in the race, and Elizabeth Warren would probably top the list. Um, But Sam, aren't you concerned that this is kind of trending towards criminalizing speech? Yeah, we we absolutely have to be concerned about uh, who would be the speech police and who gets to determine what is offensive enough to... uh, warrant uh, a fine, not warrant, but warrant uh, a fine or a censorship. Uh, so, you know, it's unfortunate that there's so much false information out there, but I think the best thing to do is to counter uh, the points of any false advertisement. So if you see something negative, you have to come back immediately or you should be able to uh, counter that with uh, truth or facts, fact check it. Uh, so to speak, and, and they have uh, some of the media outlets do that. We're going to fact check this. Is it partially true? Is it, you know, uh, is it an all-out lie? Uh, I think that's the only way you could do it because otherwise, uh, who's going to be the speech police? Mm-hmm. Who gets to determine certain things? And and I know they're saying misinformation, but sometimes you it, it can be a gray area where individuals. Uh, uh, say it in such a way that uh, it's, it's misleading intentionally when they know it's not the truth. Right. So, but uh, does that mean censor everything that they're saying? I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean. Now, I mean, it's, there, there are certain times when the Supreme Court says something and people want to interpret it. And those are the gray areas that I think we can both think, you know, are problematic, but it's going to be difficult to to address them. What I do, and I do this with friends on my Facebook page who post things that are that are fake news. I say right on there, even if it's, you know, a something, a, a sentiment I agree with, if it's fake news, I say fake news. I just go hashtag fake news. This isn't right. The best one, and you and I are both quantitative individuals. We both, you know, use numbers a lot. The best one is one that is out there about uh, murders by illegal aliens. And it's some big number. And they say in 2018, there were such so many murders in the country and so many of them were committed by illegal aliens. And it's just not true. As a matter of fact, the, the reason you know it, it's not true is because that, that isn't tracked. You can't find that number. And what they do is they extrapolate from other information, which is absolutely not the way to go. Yeah. And, and it, it plays into the fears of the audience that they're uh, marketing to. Uh, so uh, people already want to believe certain things. And these figures uh, play into their biases. Yes. And then, boom, they just run with it. I think we all need to do a better job of... Uh, researching information before we share it see it's so easy now i i believe most people uh probably share things just based on the headline before they even read the whole story absolutely and and yeah. that uh i know it's happened to me uh i'll think something is current and it's from several years ago an article because i didn't click through the link so i tried to do a better job of that now of reading the material before i share it and researching and seeing if it's if it's true uh, it's, it's difficult when you want to, uh, you already want to believe what you're reading, so you have to challenge yourself. Yeah. So that's part of, you know, our effort to help educate the public. Right. So, you know, look behind the cover page and, and get more in depth and to see what that misinformation is. And, and don't forget, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, if you have a friend who's out there putting something that isn't true out there, but people, you know, cheer it on, well, it just makes them look, you know, it makes them look, you know, like an uninformed person. So, you know, do your friends favors and Sam and I do this to each other. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell each other when we post things, uh, tell them, say, look, this isn't true. You might want to take this down because it hurts their validity for when they post something that is true. So that's that. All right. Issue number two, Texas Governor Abbott slams the door to more refugees. You know, Texas Thanks. is tired of being the leader. That's what Governor Abbott said about resettling refugees. We have welcomed more than any other state. So when President Trump let states decide if they want to continue, Governor Abbott said no. Norm, as a Christian and a Texan, I don't believe this is who we are, Democrat or Republican. Surely you cannot support refusing refugee, refugees, shelter and safety in our great state. This is shocking and Republicans have not been vocal about it. If I were a Democratic campaign consultant, I'd be licking my chops to use this against you in the next election. If I was a Democratic campaign uh, consultant, this is exactly what I would use. And I don't, I understand that Texas has taken more than anybody else, but we're a large state. We have a large population. We, we are financially sound thanks to, you know, good, strong Republican uh, values. 
And this isn't who we are. I, I disagree with Abbott's decision. I think it is a bad decision. And I speak as the son of an immigrant who uh, suffered under the Nazi occupation. And if he had tried to come to America before the war broke out, you know, would they have denied him, my father, the right to come here? We do know that before war broke out in Europe, that there was an entire ship of people of the Jewish faith who were denied entry, and they were returned to Europe. And I would say most, many or most of them perished yeah. you know, under the Nazi regime. I understand that you want to vet these people heavily, but I, I think so. You know, we've been taking these refugees for some time, and uh, I th and I want them. I don't want them all put in one town. You know, I think they should be uh, uh, dispersed, not completely, but you know, because so, they want to they want to lean on the people of their same culture, people they identify with. But you want them to you know experience Texan hospitality, Sam. Do you remember the pictures of Texans helping Texans? Oh, you know, absolutely. Houston Strong during during you know, Hurricane Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's who we are. Yeah. That that is that goes to the the best in all of us, and I think uh, again this is driven by fear of the unknown. But you know, I think sometimes myself, what would it take for me to uh, pick up everything or the little that I had a backpack? my wife and children when they were younger and go to a foreign country, maybe not even knowing the language, maybe uh, not having any job opportunities for individuals that are, are truly running for their lives. I think it is horrible for us to slam the door on them like that. And I definitely will be using this uh, uh, because some of the, the immigrants uh, that I have uh, come in contact with are individuals that uh, say they they moved here. They're some of the hardest working people I know. Mm -hmm. They appreciate having the uh, freedom to work here uh, without the oppressive environment that they had in whatever countries they came from. Are there are there uh, bad people that cross the border? Absolutely, but there are bad people already here. Yeah, so good people are good people. Right. Uh, I talked to someone that worked on the border, and uh, uh, an officer that uh, worked for DPS, and he was saying that he. Uh, ran into uh, a, two or three men, uh, and uh, one of the gentlemen was a, had been a doctor in his country, and he had sent his. He, he wouldn't join a gang, so they told him they were going to start, you know, killing his family and things. So he sent his family ahead, and then eventually he was two or three days behind them, and they found him on the on the border, and they hadn't had food or water for several days, and because of the way the law was written, the, the DPS officer said he was. Uh, he felt compassion for him. He gave him the water and food that he had, and they were very thankful for it. But at the end of the day, he still had to arrest him. Mm -hmm. And he said he, say he felt bad about arresting him and wished that the laws were different, but he had a job yeah. to do. So it's a complicated situation because these are human beings. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, in the, the officers that are working are human beings that have a job to do. Uh, and then the individuals trying to get to safety. Yeah, uh, doing all they can uh, to. Well, I, I think you know th this is about the, you know the refugees, but but yeah. really quick about about Mexico. I think Mexico is a failed state. Mm -hmm. I think the carrot stick approach has been tried, and the and the uh, the carrot has failed. I think we should treat Mexico uh, as they are, and that mm -hmm. is 
uh, where people, um, lar- by and large, are living normal lives. But corruption at the municipal level, and maybe higher and definitely lower, um, have enabled criminal elements to control large swaths of, uh, of territory. And you know, you, we, we have to be able to patrol our borders. You can't bring over fentanyl, you know, enough to kill every man, woman, and child in America and, and, and not be interdicted at the border. But um, I, if I was a Democratic campaign consultant, oh, man, I could not wait to get my hands on this. Yeah. It's an emotional issue, and, uh, it, and you can create an ad that will pull a tear out of the farthest right, well, maybe not the farthest right Republican, <laughs> but most Republicans. But I want to... Uh, can we move on? Because the last story is one I've been waiting to get to. Yep. I really want to get to this one. Okay, the next story. Has the blue wave in Texas been overhyped? Texas Republicans will hold a key suburban seat in the state house after their candidate cruised to a surprisingly easy win in the Houston area on Tuesday. Gary Gates is a businessman who spent more than $2 million on his own campaign, and he scored 58% of the vote in a runoff election to outpace Elise Markowitz, a Democrat and education expert making her second run for office. Democrats had spent heavily on Markowitz's behalf in the district that seemed to be trending their way. Groups like Forward Majority and the Democrat Legislative Campaign Committee invested more than $600,000 in her campaign, a startling amount for an election in which the winner would not even get to serve in Austin before the next election in November. Despite personal appearances and support from high-profile Democrats Michael Bloomberg and Beto O'Rourke, Democrat Dr. Elise Markowitz lost badly to Republican Gary Gates, a self-funded businessman. Um, Gates defeated Markowitz by 16 percentage points, 58 to 42%. The race attracted a national attention from both obs- from observers of both parties. Um, this was a, a special election uh, in Fort Bend County, which is west of Houston. Um, the seat had been historically Republican, but that did not stop um, national PACs from contributing a lot of money to the Markowitz campaign, about 600 grand. But this Gates guy apparently is very wealthy, and he self-funded his campaign with about $1.5 million. Uh, Sam, we interviewed Dr. Markowitz back in our radio days when she was running for a state school board, or I yep. forget the title exactly, but it was it was, has something to do with the state. And she's highly qualified. Um, and she was extremely personable. Uh, we both liked her, and we both still chat with her on uh, every now and then on Twitter and uh, Facebook. Facebook. Um, but 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 she got walloped. Uh, sixteen points. I did not see that happening. Uh, losing by sixteen percentage points. I thought it was going to be much closer. I mean, uh, Beto was there on a regular basis. I don't know. I mean, I seen a, her timeline was flooded out, knocking doors with him and campaigning. And I think he lost in that uh, that district like three percentage points. He was really close when he ran against Cruz. Uh, and I thought that she would be closer. But I also uh, realized that in, in some of these races, you got to be strategic and you got to know your audience. And um, I guess they just didn't really do a lot of homework. She's going. She's supposed to be running again. What What, what frustrates me more than anything with a lot of these races and with the money that's in in politics is I think the figure in the clip said that he spent two million and she spent six hundred or eight hundred thousand for a job that pays a few thousand and I know it's a job with influence, right? 
But is this in the best interest of the public? Why would somebody spend $2 million? He's not even going to have a vote before the next election. Yeah. <laughs> he spent $2 million to get a top yeah. of his money, but, but uh, in another clip it said as much as $2 million. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but but $1.52 million is yeah. still an astronomical figure. And he's not going to get a vote. But I understand the Democratic need to flip this, and I'm sure Beto believed uh, it was flippable. Mm -hmm. I don't think, and this is my opinion, I don't think uh, Liz Markowitz was a bad candidate. I think she's a pretty good candidate. When we had her on the radio show, we had her and interviewed her for an hour, Mm -hmm. and she had it down. I mean, she was pretty tight and solid in her messaging. So I believe that she was uh, she was a very good candidate. I think that going back to the Beto, I think Beto was a better candidate against Cruz. Cruz, you know, they managed to paint as somebody who not a lot of people like. He angered Donald Trump because they had that little spat. You know, so it was pretty soon after that. Um, and Beto was very, uh, he was an attractive candidate. He was an uplifting candidate. So... Of course, he went off the rails badly later. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm thinking that this this blue wave thing's been overhyped, and you know there was another special election that same night that isn't getting as much attention in Harris County. Uh, it was District 148. It was a special election. Uh, Democratic uh, Anna Eastman uh, came out on top, as was expected, and she won 65-35. Um, so, you know, that stayed the way it was. I, I, I just, I'm not seeing a lot of evidence of this blue wave outside, except for where the urban areas are expanding into the suburban areas. Well, in the, in the Gates-Markowitz, uh, I think their turnout was 20% of the registered voters, which was high for a special election. Yeah. So yeah. the numbers were actually up in, in their race. Some of these other races were uh, not, not as high. Uh, which again, for the public, when we consider twenty percent a high turnout, that's a sad state of being for individuals that say they're concerned about what's going on in their communities. You know, people complain, but then a lot of people are not involved in the process. So if you get twenty percent turnout and fifty uh, percent. Uh, of that is 10%. So really 10 to 12% of the people, 50 to 60% are uh, making the choice for the other 88%, 88 to 90% of individuals. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's even lower than that. In, in, in Hitchcock, they've had as little as uh, 6% of the registered voters select the winner in the mayoral race. Mm-hmm. So 5,000 registered voters, 300 people vote, not in this last election. But in previous elections, 300 people voted. That's 6% of registered voters. Yeah. And getting and getting back to the impeachment, I think, and you brought up something you know, that triggered a, you know, an issue in me. I think so many Democrats in the midterms were so angry with Donald Trump that, uh, that the Republicans got complacent in the Cruz race. Meanwhile, the Democrats were really fired up. And I think the reverse may have happened in this race. Because the impeachment really fired up uh, the Republican base. Well, that's usually uh, how the pendulum swings, right? Mm-hmm. So you get the 2010 Tea Party 
mm-hmm. reaction. You get the 2018 reaction to Donald Trump. It swings back and forth. Yeah. Just wish we could get people to be more engaged on a regular basis uh, and not just act, react on the emotional uh, basis. Name but 2020 that. is going to be uh, interesting. Who shows up at the polls? It's That's, all. It's always about getting your voters in the voting booth. Now, uh, we have a little extra time. We, uh, I want to go back to something that we talked about last week, and it's not on our sheet, but I just want to uh, bring up like some good news. If you hadn't saw it, uh, the young man that was being suspended for his hair, you know, we talked about this was a, a waste of time. Uh, Ellen gave him a $20,000 scholarship on her show. I don't know if you saw that. I saw he was on the show. I didn't know she gave him a $20,000 scholarship, but, you know, g- great for him. Yeah, uh, so something that was negative. I is think I'm going to start t- growing my hair. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> the sides will come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah the sides yeah. will come down. Well, you can't be over your collar, though. Yeah. You know? uh, but he got some national uh, attention, and uh, celebrities, of course, came to uh, his defense and support and told him not to cut his hair. Then there were other students, uh, you know, and when they when they started talking about, you know, the girls could wear their hair over their collar. I mean, it's time to change the policy. This, you know, yeah, it, it was. It, I don't know if the superintendent was enforcing the board's wishes or if the superintendent was just following the rule book and the board didn't have a lot of real time input. But it was so badly mishandled. Yeah, and 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 to. Uh, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. At one time, you know, okay, they did it for 30 years. It's, it's really time to change that policy. Yep. Uh, so that was just something that uh, I wanted to throw in there uh, since we had a little extra time. Glad to see that young man uh, with that um, get that opportunity from, from Ellen. So we need to have more common sense stuff like that of people just saying, this is ridiculous. She, she pleaded into the... Uh, and you know the biggest thing he wants to graduate and walk with his friends that he's gone to school with through elementary junior high mm-hmm. and he's going to miss out possibly on that moment uh, um, oh he won't miss out on it now I the, promise you the mother had moved him to another school oh really yeah so I don't know if they're going to have an opportunity to move him back they didn't reveal the school that they were moving him to uh, I would hope that he'd get an opportunity to go back and graduate with his friends yeah you know just I don't know why, why we've uh, gotten to a society where like individuals don't want to apologize or just admit a mistake and just move on from it. Uh, it's, it's seen as a weakness, but it's really a strength. I, I, I never strength. thought I was wrong until I got married. Now, now I'm quite used to the feeling. Well, you know, that as uh, par for the course. I know you uh, <laughs> uh, said I, I'll kick my coverage the other day at, uh, for my anniversary, but uh, uh that's my sentiment too, you know, for uh, for you and your wife. Yeah, uh, you I hear you. Coverage. Speaking of coverage this weekend, uh, so who do you like? It's not a Super Bowl oh, show. KC, KC okay. all the way. I'm, I'm thinking KC too. Yeah. So we we meet in the middle on that. We'll know next week if we were right or wrong. Yes. All right. Okay, that's it for this week. Please like us on Facebook. For the end of the show, as we do every week, we're going to be offering up some story headlines that might interest you. The first one comes from TheGuardian.com over in uh, Britain. Outrage as Polanski film nominated for 12 of the what you know, quote-unquote French, French Oscars. And Roman Polanski, of course, is the guy who was 
accused of raping a 13-year-old in California, you know, back in the 60s, had to flee the country and never came back. Uh, and in the age of Weinstein and who's the other guy that didn't hang himself, uh, Epstein, you know, in the day and age of this, they're actually going to be giving this guy, um, you know. Well, he's when, nominated for three I mean, unbel- yeah. where is there? I can't believe it. I'm just a little. All right. From TexasTribune.com, CBD, hemp, medical marijuana. Here's what you need to know about Texas's changing pot laws. Some of you out there need to read this more than others. Just saying. You know, we really need to change the laws around marijuana and decriminalize it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you think about uh, oftentimes, I, you know, alcohol is, is legal, is so legal. There are many accidents, unfortunately. Uh, individuals, I've never heard of anyone calling uh, in an accident scene because somebody was high from smoking Wait, marijuana. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, think about it because a, a very somebody very close to me just got a new job with a very large company. They had to take a uh, drug test. Now they mm-hmm. passed it, but in this day and age, drug tests really, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, for marijuana. I mean, and mm-hmm. and they know people who failed it, not because they were on crack or fentanyl or everything. They failed it for marijuana. Well, you know, we we have to kind of change the way we look at this. Yeah. Get with the times. Uh, from the epochtimes.com, something we brought up uh, a couple of weeks ago with the uh, Richmond protests. Uh, conservative Virginia counties float seceding to West Virginia. And this goes back to a story where now that Virginia's uh, become solid blue and uh, people in Virginia believe, and it's come to fruition, that the uh, state legislature is is uh, restricting Second Amendment rights, uh, some of the counties along the border of West Virginia want to go back to pre-war you know, mm-hmm. maps maybe and, join, and go over and join West Virginia. And the mm-hmm. thing is, there is something that was created in the laws pre-Civil War that actually allow this. Well, we'll uh, stay tuned to see what happens. From allprice.com, UK's Guardian bans ads from all gas firms. This is not the first time we've seen corporate action addressing climate change, and this is another indication of the changing times. Okay, Sam, I want to hear you say oil again. Oil. <laughs> okay, from the hill.com, Dershowitz, and this is re- this is a referring uh, re- referencing the impeachment his impeachment performance. Dershowitz says media willfully distorted his view of presidential power. So, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said Dershowitz. I, I've been practicing that all week. Yeah, you can't say can, oil either. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. You know, we all got different gifts. Yes. From the Vox.com, Trump's audacious new plan to cut Medicaid explained. I have read this. I, I have read this yet, but it's on. I haven't read this yet, but it's on my list. Uh, while the debt needs to get addressed, I also know that Medicaid plays a critical role for the underprivileged. Yeah, this is going to be a, a, I think if they don't get this right, this is going to be a, a major uh, issue in, in the in the coming yeah. election. Okay, and uh, of course we all know about what's happening over in China with the coronavirus, and it's not due to the beer people. Uh, so, it's, you know, even the memes are hysterical though. Okay, but if you want to know what's going on from uh, their standpoint, you should go to the SouthChinaMorningPost.com scmp.com south china morning post.com and this is uh it's going to be a big deal and it already is a big deal but trust me the, the ball's just getting rolling we'll probably talk about this more next week 
Um, I've actually talked in my in my previous life, you know, of uh, doing economics. I've talked about the leveraged debt that's coming home to roost in China at some point. It's not a it's not something that uh, is controversial. You know, it's there. This could be you know the match that lights the fire. All right, that's it. Enough people go out and meet in the middle. Compromise. Leave our kids a better place. <laughs>